Thank you. Thank you. It's still good whether you say it back or not. But you're welcome to if you want. It'd be okay. And we do welcome you here tonight, and we welcome you joining us live stream. Thank you for coming, and I'm glad that we have the opportunity to study God's Word. Amen? And I'm glad that God's Word is all that we need. Sometimes it's conviction, sometimes it's comfort, sometimes it's balm. Amen? Sometimes it's just a mirror that shows us what manner of men we are, but I'm glad the Word of God does all of those things. And I want to encourage you tonight with the Word of God. And I want you to turn to Psalm 100, please. Psalm 100. Psalm 100 is probably one of the most beautiful psalms regarding the subject of giving thanks unto the Lord, praising the Lord. Uh, the way that it's written and, and the things contained in it uh, really drive the thought and the point home. Uh, that we are to be people who are thankful uh, unto the Lord. And I think with all, with all my heart, I don't think anybody would disagree with this statement, but I, I believe that we are people who have truly, truly been blessed beyond measure by the Lord. And of all the people in this world who ought to give thanks and praise the name of the Lord, we should be at the top. And that's one thing that, that um, is really lacking uh, in our culture, certainly, but it's also a mark of the last days that uh, one of the marks of the last days is that people would be unthankful. And I think God's people can fall into the category of, of not, not being as thankful to the Lord as we should be. And, and so we're going we're gonna to talk about that subject tonight, and I want to encourage you with this psalm. As we introduce it, and before I read it, let me just say, it's, it's not uncommon for, for our culture uh, for people to make up lists, you know? We have a, a Christmas list of all the things that, that I want for Christmas, or people draw up a list of New Year's resolutions or whatever, you know, one thing that might be helpful for God's people, though, is, is to make a list of all the things that we're thankful for. To count our blessings, you know, to name them one by one. And if we were to do that, um, I'm sure that my list, like yours, would, would certainly major on the major things, you know, like I'm thankful for life, for example. Thank the Lord for another day of life, right? Health family, friends, uh, even the nation we live in, in spite of its flaws, uh, we could say all of those things. We could list those things as things we're thankful for. But even more than those things, we, we ought to be thankful, number one, that I'm saved. Amen? Number two, that I have a church family, that the Lord's given me purpose. I'm a part of the body of Christ to serve the Lord but maybe one of the things that we ought to be the most thankful for is the mercy that God showers on us every single day that we live. And with Christ, we have so much for which to be truly thankful. And, and sometimes I think that, that we're not like we should be. 
And one would assume that with all that we've been blessed with, that we would be extremely thankful people. But all too often, it's just the opposite. And we find an example of that actually in the Bible. Just, just keep your place here in Psalm 100. I want you to go to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. The, the more, sometimes it seems like the more that we get, the less thankful we become, the less mindful uh, of God we become, and the more we want for ourselves. The nation of Israel was like that. And, and God told them, Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when, th when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. And it shall be, when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of good things which thou fillest not, and wells digged which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not, when thou shalt have eaten and be full, then beware, lest thou forget the Lord, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. God tells the nation of Israel, when I bless you with all of these things that you didn't do anything to, to earn, you didn't do anything uh, to, to deserve it even, I'm just going to bless you with it because I'm good when you have become full and all of this is part of your life, then make sure that you're aware. Beware that you don't forget me, that I'm the one who blessed you with these things. Go to chapter 8, Deuteronomy chapter 8, and look at verse 10. He says, When thou hast eaten and art full, then shalt thou bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. You notice this? It says, when you, when you have eaten and you are full and you are abundantly blessed, you need to bless the Lord for the good land which he hath given thee. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and statutes which I command thee this day. Lest when thou hast eaten and art full and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply, and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, and all that thou hast is multiplied, then thy heart be lifted up, and thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led thee through the great and terrible wilderness wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought, when there was no water, who brought thee forth water out of the rock of flint, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, 
which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee, and that he might prove thee, to do thee good at the latter end. And thou say in thine heart, My power and the might of mine hand hath gotten me this wealth. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant which he sware unto thy fathers as it is this day. So the Lord says to the nation of Israel, when you are abundantly blessed, beware that you don't forget the Lord, that He's the one who has given you power. And it seems like the more that we get, the less thankful we become, the less mindful of God we become. And it's my power that has gotten me all of this in my life. Well, go back to Psalm 100, because I think that Psalm 100 was written to deal with this very kind of attitude, to remind us of our need to be thankful and to maintain an attitude of gratitude. And so let's read this psalm together. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him and bless His name. For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endureth to all generations. I want to speak to you tonight on this subject. Be thankful unto Him and bless His name. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, would You help us with Your Word here tonight? And Lord, I pray that You'd teach us again from it that we might grow in our relationship to You, Lord, to become uh, the kind of thankful people that we ought to be. For You're good. You're always good. And You are worthy of our thanks and praise. So, Lord, I pray that you'd encourage us with your word tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. The first thing I want you to see here in this passage is the basis of thankfulness. The basis of thankfulness. Now, before I uh, get right to that point, let me just say this. This psalm wasn't written exclusively to the people of Israel. Now, God did say to them, when you come into the promised land and you settle down in your warm houses and you've got plenty to eat and your cattle is thriving. He did say, don't forget me when those things happen. I led you out of the wilderness. I brought you into this land flowing with milk and honey. Don't forget where your blessings come from. But it doesn't take us too long to look at the nation of Israel and realize that the people of Israel needed reminders. They needed often reminders. And I'm afraid that we need those same reminders. And maybe, maybe God had us in mind, too, when this psalm was written. Did you notice to whom this psalm is addressed? Right away in verse 1, he says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. In other words, this first verse tells us that it's addressed to the whole earth. 
This isn't just something for the nation of Israel. The last verse says that it includes all generations. Look at the last verse. For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endureth to all generations. And so this message of thanksgiving unto the Lord is so deep and it's so wide that it applies to every person in every stage of life, at every level of life, we need to be thankful people. Amen. Thank you. We need to be reminded of this. Now, two things come to mind when I read through this psalm, and especially this making a joyful noise unto the Lord. And uh, Verse 4, entering His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him and bless His name. It's written to all people, all generations, all lands. Two things come to mind. There's something about giving thanks together to God that breaks down barriers between people and brings about unity in a body. You know, when we have testimony services and somebody stands up and says, I just want to tell you what God has done for me, and I just want to thank the Lord, and then the next person does, and they talk about the goodness of God in their life, and then that encourages somebody else, and they stand up and they testify of the Lord, and pretty soon it's going everywhere in the auditorium. And when you leave this place, how do you feel? I feel personally blessed when I hear people just say, I just want to thank God for what he's done in my life and how he's blessed me. I, I still remember, not even a couple of weeks ago, Daniel just saying, I just want to say thank you to the Lord because I love the Lord. That still blesses my soul. Amen? There's something about giving thanks together to God that breaks down barriers. You know what? We have something in common. Maybe we don't have a lot of life in common, but when we get together and we just start saying, I'm going to tell you what God did, and you say, hey, let me tell you what God did. The thing we have in common is God and His blessing. And all of a sudden, I have a better relationship with you than I did before. You understand what I'm saying? There's something about that. It's quite the opposite when... We get together and we want to start nitpicking. And we want to start tearing people down. That divides. That doesn't do anything to bring unity and break down walls. That builds walls. So much better to thank the Lord for how good He is in our life. Amen? I'll give myself an amen. Can I get a witness? Let me say this. There's a second thing. There's a real danger in determining thankfulness on the basis of how much we have or how much we don't have. There's a real danger in that. You know, I, do I have a nice home? Is the money in my bank account secure? Is it enough? Am I healthy? You understand what I'm saying? And we let temporal things determine whether or not we're thankful. Like, I don't have much to thank the Lord about because this is going wrong and that's going wrong and this person said this and this person said that and, uh, you know, there's this inflation thing and we're paying 
$5 a gallon for gas and, and there's too much snow on the ground. And, and <laughs> we let temporal things determine whether or not we're thankful. There's a danger in that. Let me tell you what the basis for thankfulness is. And it's found here in this passage. And let me tell you that the only thing that we have for sure in this life, the only thing we have for sure is our relationship with God. That's the only thing we have for sure. Now, He is the basis for thankfulness. Now, notice this. You scan this psalm, and you see what's emphasized in it. In verse 1, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Verse 2, serve the Lord with gladness. Verse 3, know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us. Verse 4, enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him and bless His name, for the Lord is good. Every single verse is all about the Lord. You find that He becomes the basis for thanksgiving. Or being thankful because He is good. He. The reason we ought to be thankful is because of the Lord Himself. He's always good in our life. Now the second thing that I want to draw your attention to and where we're going to spend the rest of our time tonight is there's commands that are found here that help lead to a thankful heart. There's five commands in this psalm that help lead to a thankful heart. Notice verse 1, the first command. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Here's the first command that helps lead to a thankful heart. The Bible says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. That phrase, make a joyful noise, it, it means or carries the idea of shouting with the, with the force of a trumpet. That's what, it, that's what it means. The make a joyful noise. It, it, it carries the, the, the idea of shouting with the force of a trumpet blast. A shout of joy to the Lord that comes from the very depths of your being. Now, as Christians, we've got reason to have that kind of joy or noise coming from our heart. First of all, I'm saved. He saved my soul, and because I'm saved, I have peace with God, and there is therefore now no condemnation on me. That's enough reason right there to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. But maybe there's more than that in your life. Maybe, maybe there's a problem that's happened in your life, and God was the one who gave the answer and solved the problem. Maybe He gave you some direction to go in your life. You're searching for the Lord's will, and God reveals what His will is, and He shows you. Maybe He's provided a blessing. You were at your wit's end. You didn't have any resource, and God steps in and blesses you with just what you need at the right time. And you realize that came from God and it blessed your soul. And so maybe there's things like this that, 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 that happen in your life that, that come from the, the depth of your being and cause you to proclaim and say thank you to the Lord to magnify Him. 
that ever happened to you? Where you just felt so compelled, so overwhelmed from the core of your being that you just had to say thank you to God? And he's talking about with the, with the voice of a trumpet. Maybe you're not that kind of a person that just shouts out, praise God, but maybe on the inside you're screaming, praise God, because God is so good. Has that ever happened to you? Man, it ought to. Hey, 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 listen, listen. If you don't know that and you, can't, you don't experience that, there's something wrong in your life. There's something very wrong in your life. Maybe that's another subject for another day. There's a pastor who tells this story about a veteran missionary who had come to him one day after he had preached this this sermon at a preacher's meeting or something like that. And he had preached this message and this veteran missionary comes to him to tell him this story. And he introduced himself to the pastor and he said that he was a missionary with a medical background, but he had been a missionary in India for several years. And he starts telling how he had served in this region of India where there was a a disease that was causing progressive blindness in in people. And people would be born healthy, normal, natural. They'd have normal eyesight and so on. But there was something in that area that was causing people to end up losing their eyesight as they matured in life. And so this missionary thought that there's got to be something that we can do, and he asked the Lord to to give him wisdom, to give him discernment and help him, and he ended up developing a process that would start to arrest this progressive blindness disease. And as it spread, and word of that spread, people started to come to him from all over the place, and he would perform this procedure on them, and they would come from every place because they realized that there was, there was no other hope for them. They would have been blind before they were dead. And, and this started to, to, to make a difference. And people were thankful because now they were going to be able to see rather than be blind. And so he's telling this story to this pastor And he said, the one thing that was interesting to me was that never once did these people say, thank you. They never said, thank you. But it wasn't because they weren't thankful people. It was because that phrase was not in their language. It wasn't in their dialect. And so instead, they spoke a word that meant this that said, I will tell your name. And so wherever they went, they would tell the name of the missionary who had cured their blindness. They would tell the name of the man who had done this thing for them that they were so thankful for. They just said, I'm going to tell your name. They received something so wonderful 
that they, that they wanted to proclaim it. They eagerly proclaimed it. And this perfectly illustrates exactly what this verse is saying. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Unto the Lord. Proclaim His name for, for the, the blessing that it just wells up inside of you that says, i got to thank the Lord. You remember how people responded often when Jesus healed them? Many times when you read through the Gospels, you find that they couldn't contain their joy and the thankfulness of heart unto the Lord. They wanted to make a big deal out of it, didn't they? That's what the psalmist is saying. You realize that God has been so good to you that you can't keep it inside anymore. And from the depths of your being, you shout your joy unto the Lord. And again, have you been so thankful to the Lord that it just wells up inside of you and you are moved to shout thank you to God? Maybe not on the outside, but certainly on the inside. That's the kind of thankful people we really do need to be. The second command is in verse 2. Serve the Lord with gladness. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. It doesn't say serve the church. It doesn't say serve the pastor. It doesn't say serve the leaders. It says serve the Lord with gladness. And let me just say what a privilege it is to serve the Lord. Some people serve out of obligation. Some people serve out of even guilt. And some people serve to bring attention to themselves. And that's usually evidenced or identified by the attitude that goes along with it. But the psalmist says, whatever you do, serve the Lord and do it with gladness. Serve the Lord and do it with gladness. You know what? Sometimes that requires some sacrifice. And how discouraging to others when there's an attitude that goes along with my service because that sacrifice interferes with what I really want. Let me tell you something. I'll just be straightforward with you. We ought to serve the Lord with all kinds of gladness. I get to, and it doesn't matter how much sacrifice it requires. It is my joy to do it for the Lord. That's how it ought to be. Thank the Lord that I'm saved. Amen? can never repay Him for that. Thank the Lord that He's given me purpose in my life and He's given me a church. Thank the Lord that He's given me ability. He's given me ability to serve Him through serving others. But how many times is there an attitude that comes along? Oh, I go down to the church or I got to go to this person's house. I got to take extra time. By the way, let me just, this is a side note, not part of the message. Don't ever feel like you are a drag on me. Don't ever feel like you're too much effort. Don't ever feel like you don't want me to exert energy on you. 
Oh, I don't want to bother the pastor. It's such a little thing. Or it's not worth it. And you end up suffering alone. Don't do that. Don't ever do that. I love you. I'm here for you. And it doesn't matter if I've got to give extra time at night or extra time on a weekend. It doesn't matter. I'll do whatever I have to do because I want to serve the Lord by serving you. And I do it with gladness. That's a side note. But I want you to know it. Okay? Thank you. Thank the Lord that he saved my soul. How could I ever, ever be ungrateful when he's given me an opportunity to serve him? Amen? That's how I want to be. Am I perfect at that? No. And neither are you. But by God's grace, we can fix those attitudes. They come from selfish places. Ask the Lord to help us not be that. Amen? Look at the third command, second part of verse 2. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Come before His presence with singing. Now, I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but in these first three commands, God is talking about happiness and joyfulness. God wants you to be happy. He says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Now, I'm pretty sure that's not the oh, high church kind of singing. It's not what he's talking about. He's talking about a heart that overflows. Any kind of song that's coming out of that is a joyful song unto the Lord. By the way, does it thrill you to sing about the truths of God? Like when we sing songs in church, do you just kind of just do it by rote because you you've memorized the words, you're not really thinking about what you're singing? But when you take the time to pay attention and you take the time to, to understand what it is that you're saying and singing, man, there are sermons in those songs. It is good truth that sometimes... For me personally, sometimes it becomes very overwhelming and I almost can't even sing. Because that truth right there just got right in my soul. He's talking about come before His presence with singing. This might sound kind of funny, but, but I wonder what kind of an effect it would have. If at any point we could take a picture and capture your faces in a song service. Would you look happy? <laughs> would you look joyful? Or would you be kind of sitting there, standing there with a scowl on your face, with all the cares and the thoughts of the day and the world running through your head, and not focused on the Lord? Just a thought. But a truly thankful heart is also going to be a joyful heart. And often it has a song in it. Amen?
The psalmist says, come before him and serve him and sing his praise and do it with joy in your heart. Now notice verse 3, the fourth command. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. The command is, know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. The first part of verse 3 tells us that the Lord is the one who is God and the Lord is the one who has made you. God took every bone and every joint and he welded it together with sinews and muscle and he covered it up with some skin and he gave you some eyes that you could see. He gave you a brain that you can think with. He gave you ears that you can hear with. He gave you fingers that you could touch and feel and pick things up with. God made you. He made every part of you. Inside and out. He made you the way He wanted you to be. And He made me the way that He wanted me to be. You say, well, where are you going with this, Pastor? Let me just say this. Do you ever be discouraged? Or depressed about who you are? I don't like my personality. I don't like these things about me. Other people don't. They tell me they don't. It starts to create this image inside of how we see ourselves and who we think we are. And when we don't, listen, when we don't have the right set of eyes and we're not looking with the right set of eyes and we're not hearing with the right ears, what do we see? We see negativity. And we tell ourselves lies. And we believe those lies and we hear what other people have to say and the negativity just piles on and depression sets in. And listen, I'm telling you this. I'm telling you something. God made you. He made you just how He wanted you to be. And the eyes that you need to see with are His. That is where our value is found. In the Lord. And nobody else. Now, we can think of ourselves more highly than we ought to as well. There's the other side of the coin, okay? Again, not the right set of eyes, right? God, know ye that the Lord, He is God. And He made us, and He made us just like He wanted us to be. That's a mystery, And maybe I don't understand exactly why, but somehow in God's providence, he decided that I should be a living soul. Genesis 2 says that God breathed into the nostrils of Adam life, and man became a living soul. He made you, he made me, and someplace along the way, he had you and me in mind for a particular purpose. Two things. We, have, we don't have anything to do with our existence. The Lord did that. But we also don't have the right to tell Him that we're worthless. Amen? We've got nothing to boast in. But we also don't have anything to be depressed about. We have everything to be thankful for. 
listen, we're sinners. We've got flaws. We mess up. But you know what? In spite of all of that, we can be thankful. And why can we be thankful? Because, yeah, I know I'm a sinner. And, yeah, I know I have flaws. And, yeah, I know I messed up. But you know what I can be thankful for? I can be thankful for the fact that he is still working on me. To make me, make me what I ought to be. I'm glad he's still making us. I'm glad he's still working on me. I'm glad that he's not satisfied with an unfinished product. I'm glad that he's not satisfied with my temper. I'm glad that he's not satisfied with my flaws and my shortcomings. He's not satisfied with the weak areas of my life. He's still making me. He's still working on me. And for that, I can be thankful. Right? I hope you're hearing me tonight. I'm worthless. I'm a failure. It's hopeless. There's no point. I've tried to change. I can't. Well, you can't by yourself. But he's still working on me. Amen? Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us. Then he says, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Most of us want to be the shepherd, not the sheep. It's not fun being the sheep. But you know what the problem is for us? We're not the shepherd, number one, and we want to be, and we try to be, but the problem is, as a sheep, we don't know where the still waters are. We don't know where the green pastures are. And every time we go out trying to do it on our own or searching for those things, invariably, we end up in a far, far country away from the shepherd. And he's simply saying, just be the sheep. Let me be the shepherd. I will lead you. I will lead you beside the still waters. I will lead you to the green pastures. Just let me lead. And the principle is this. Don't get ahead of God. Let him be the shepherd. Let him lead. We are his sheep. We're not the shepherd ourselves. The sheep of his pasture. We can get ahead of God. Real easy. Sometimes the Lord gets us on the right road even, but then we get all excited and we want to run ahead on the road. Slow down. Let him lead. Amen? He'll bring it to pass. And then you see the fifth command in verse 4. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. In the Old Testament, the temple symbolized the presence of God. So whenever the people came to the temple and entered the courtyards, they knew that they had come into the presence of God. Now that Old Testament temple doesn't exist anymore. But oftentimes the place where we meet is called the house of God, indicating that God is here. In Revelation, we read of Jesus who is walking in the midst of his churches. God is here. 
but we also know that God is anywhere and everywhere. He's with you when you drive down the Richardson Highway to work. He's with you when you're at work. He's with you when you're at home, ladies, taking care of your house, cleaning, caring for your children. He's with you every moment of your life, not just in church. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. He's the reason we ought to be thankful. Let me ask you this question. What if God began to treat us like we so often treat him? What if God met our needs to the same extent that we give him our life? I'm stingy with my life, so God's not really going to, he's going to be stingy with my needs. What if God did that? What if we never saw another flower bloom because we grumbled when God sent the rain? Or we grumbled because there's still too much snow on the ground? What if God stopped loving and caring for us because we failed to love and care for others properly? What if He wouldn't bless us today because we didn't thank Him yesterday for all the blessings He gave me? What if God decided to stop leading me tomorrow because I didn't follow Him yesterday or today? What if God did that? Psalm 103 and verse 10 says, He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. That's one of the best verses in the Bible. I've said it a hundred times before. I am so glad that God's love and care for me is not based on my performance to Him. That is even more reason to be thankful unto Him and bless His name. Amen? Now, verse 5 kind of puts it all into perspective. Verse 5 says, For the Lord is good. That word for means because. So he's gone through all of these things. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. The Lord's made you. Uh, Be His sheep Enter into his courts with thanksgiving. Do all of these things. Bless his name. Why? Because the Lord is good. Here's the reason. Because the Lord is good. We ought to thank and praise because the Lord is good. And he's good all the time. And he's good in everything. Now, that brings to light this thought. We don't always thank God for our trials or our heartaches or our difficulties. I mean, we're ready to praise the Lord for His goodness in our life, aren't we? We're ready to praise the Lord when when things are going well. Wow, praise God. We're ready to do that, but sometimes we fail to realize this, that even adverse experience and adverse circumstance are actually blessings of the Lord in disguise. We don't often thank the Lord for our trials. There's a story that's told of a Scottish preacher named George Matheson. 
who realized that he actually had this very problem. He realized that he was not as ready to praise God when things went wrong as he was when things were right. However, after he began to lose his eyesight, he changed his thinking. He struggled for some months with this weary burden until he reached the point where he could pray, My God, I have never thanked you for my thorns. I've thanked you a thousand times for my roses, but not once for my thorns. I've been looking forward to a world where I shall get compensated for my cross, but I've never thought of my cross itself as present glory and something to be thankful for. Teach me the value of my thorns. When we count our blessings, we should include the weaknesses, the hardships, the burdens, and the trials that we face. If we do, we might find that God has actually used our difficulties more than the good things in our life to help us grow spiritually. You ever thought about that? Why is that? Why does God use the trials often so much more than the good things, or the, quote, blessings, uh, to, to help us grow spiritually? It's because in those difficult places, we discover that His sufficiency and the grace of His is sufficient for every trial. It means that I have to depend on Him more. It means that I turn to Him more. In our trials, we turn to God. As we depend on Him, we find that strength, our strength is made perfect in, or His strength, rather, is made perfect in our weakness. That's why. You're going through something hard. You're going through a difficult thing. Maybe you feel more depressed than anything. You need to stop. You need to stop for a second, and you need to look at the fact that God doesn't do anything wrong. He doeth all things well. And whatever this is, God is trying to grow you. And that's reason to thank Him. That's reason to praise Him. Just take a moment and think about the way that God has led you in your life. Think about the way that God has blessed you Let it lead to praise, but when you praise God for your blessings, make sure that you remember to thank Him for the thorns too. Perspective is everything. And if we see from the perspective that the Lord is good to us all the time, and the Lord is trustworthy, that He's never failed, the Lord has blessed me abundantly beyond measure, You know what? I don't have the time then to complain. I don't have the time to complain about people or things. I don't have the time to have a bad attitude. Why? Because I'm going to be too busy praising Him for all of His goodness out of a thankful heart. Be thankful unto Him and bless His name. Why? Because the Lord is good. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, use your word here tonight. Help us to think and meditate. Be thankful unto you 
and then to bless your name. Because you're good. Thank you for the thorns, for the trials. Thank you for the blessings. Thank you for the people that you've put into my life. And may all of it revolve around you. And Lord, I pray that you'd increase our thoughtfulness, Lord, increase our thankfulness unto you because you're good. In Jesus' name, amen.